The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We know that you want to live an inspired and fulfilling life. Maybe there are a few things that you need to get you there. Welcome to What Matters with your host, Mary Beth Lodge. In today's world of distractions, we can get overwhelmed with day-to-day responsibilities that keep us busy, frustrated, and confused. With an emphasis on the power of the mind and drawing on the fields of personal health, education, neuroscience, business, and spirituality, we'll discuss practical strategies to help you stay focused on your priorities, choices, and results. Now, here is Mary Beth Lodge. Good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Today, I'm going to challenge you to make a difference. I'm going to ask you to find the motivation to make a change within yourself, a change that will carry ripples of positive change into the lives of those around you and well beyond that. For this one hour, spend this time listening thinking about how this information presented here today applies to you. Not your significant other, your best friend, your child, your parent, or your co-worker. Just you. You are the only person you can really change. You are the only person that you are responsible for. And you are the person that can truly make a difference. I know you're busy. We are all busy. We lead very busy lives. And sometimes... It feels good to be busy, doesn't it? But sometimes, busy just means distracted. And that might lead us away from our goals or cause us to lose focus. Are you taking for granted the people in your life and the actions that you take that are most important to you? Are you spending your energy on things that don't really matter? What are the choices you make in your world? How do you touch the lives of the people you meet? Do you create sunshine wherever you are? Let's start by making our own sunshine. What are you grateful for today? What are the blessings in your life that enfold you? I know today I am very, very grateful. Yesterday I had just one of those wonderful in-the-flow days. I got to witness an incredible hypnosis session, a client that came in. She was an unusual weight loss client in that she was already doing everything right. She doesn't eat much. She eats very healthy. She exercises. She works with a trainer. And yet, her body was stuck. And I watched the most incredible shift in belief and awareness as she worked through her own inner conflict in hypnosis. And not only that, I had a student present in the room. It was the most awesome learning opportunity that he could have ever asked for. What a blessing for me that day. 
I also was blessed yesterday with friends who brought me lunch on a day that I was not going to get lunch for any reason. I didn't have moments in my schedule. And last evening, I had the most wonderful conversation with neighbors. My neighbor who's considering homeschooling for her son. And in that conversation, I was reminded how important it is to allow the spontaneous conversations to evolve to take the time to be fully present. I wonder how you are doing that in your life today. Are you fully present? Are you aware of the people that you touch today? Pay attention. This morning, we have a wonderful guest on our show, artist, writer, and professor of art at the Mississippi State University, Brent Funderburg was born in Charlotte, studied at East Carolina University, and has taught for 33 years in Nebraska and Mississippi. He's given many talks at museums and universities, has shown his art in 30 one-person shows, and was the official artist of the 2010 USA International Ballet Competition. Brett has been awarded the John Grisham Faculty Excellence Award and the Burlington Northern Excellence in Teaching Award at MSU. He's conducted workshops in art, writing, and creativity across the U.S. Combining multiple forms of media, encouraging the eye to see beauty in new ways, and always wanting more, Brent continuously lives the creative process. Good morning, Brent. How are you? Good morning, Mary Beth. And how is your morning today? Well, it's a black morning. It's, it's the rain of all rains. It's about as black as it can get, and I've been trying to ask that question uh, what am I thankful for today? And you, you've got me right on that task. And um, I'm, I'm starting to come up with some things. Well, good. What did you notice so far that you're grateful for? Well, um, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the blackness, you know, because, uh, and, and I've been thinking about really wonderful black poems. One of the poems that, that I recall is a haiku that goes like this. Black buzzards overhead, below black cows, black shadows, dark and darker still. And that makes me happy. There's something beautiful about even darkness. And so I'm thankful, although it takes a while to get to that. <laughs> well, it does. And I think that's part of um, focusing on gratitude is really sometimes the, the natural thing is just to reflect whatever we see around us or reflect the grumpiness of the people around us. And I think sometimes we have to choose sunshine. We have to choose gratitude. I'm totally in agreement. Uh, I have this, one of my favorite uh, writings is by G.K. Chesterton. He talks about the fact that what we have to do daily is to dig for a submerged sunrise of wonder. <laughs> and, and, you know, digging is a dark kind of activity. You're going through uh, stuff that you didn't necessarily ask for, and it's, it's hard work. And, and I say that we're digging. Uh, not many people want to do that, but... He says there's a submerged sunrise of wonder, and that forgotten blaze of astonishment at our own existence is what it's all about. And Mary Beth, if we're not looking for it, we're not going to find it. <laughs> Isn't that true? Well, what a wonderful place to start. That's, that's beautiful language um, as we discuss the creative process of... <laughs> <laughs> that that colorful language that just is is both metaphorical but also that that has kind of a movement a feeling to it the the act of digging and and finding a sunrise 
Absolutely. I, I tell my students that um, what you're looking for is looking for you, which implies that you better be looking for something. And uh, another thing that happened was, you know, we were all talking about the super moon a few nights ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and um, you know, I, I realized something that my teacher, who is 94 years old, Edward Reap, said to me, he said, you can cover the moon with your thumb if you put your hand, uh, your arm straight out. You know, even even on the brightest moons, you can do that. So, um, and I so so that happened too. I wrote a poem about that very quickly. It's a haiku, and it goes like this: Faith, I anticipate heaven as my thumb covers the moon. So, if we're not looking for it, people looking for this super, you know, exciting angels coming down kind of explosion or this blaze, we're not going to see the the beauty of this moon that we can cover with our thumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is those little things, isn't it? It's the it's the noticing the little nuances, the the tiny details that really are what brings us to a, an awe of an awareness of how much there is beyond us. I think you're right. I, I've been nearsighted all my life, and, um, and I recall uh, somehow when my mother was reading stories to me as a child in my crib, seeing the dust motes in the sun. Don't ask me how I can remember that, but I've always been fascinated because of my myopia with uh, little, little tiny things. And I thought when she was reading to me that the dust motes were somehow performing or illustrating the story. So that's that's how off I am in my in my searching, but somehow I've enjoyed it. It's been a good trip. <laughs> I, I I knew I would never be able to read that line from your bio. I'm so glad that you said it. <laughs> um, and and that really, in some ways, you've taken that nearsightedness to create your art. Your your art is very detailed. And very close up. Right. I, I have a twin brother, and I remember in the backyard, uh, he was really interested in the airplanes far away because a he could see them. He had <laughs> he did <laughs> not near nearsighted, you know. And and I was interested in the zinnias. You know, I was plucking the tops off of the flowers and and looking as closely as I could. And for me, eight feet away was enough. You know, and if you, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan because I'm also a planner. It's my weakness to be able to plan, but I'm nearsighted. So usually if you're just dealing with the, the things that are pretty close to you, there are gifts in those things. Um, there's another poem I'm going to throw at you. It's a, it's a haiku and it goes like this. In this world, we walk on the roof of hell gazing at flowers. <laughs> so, you know, it close by perhaps. Just at our fingertips is something that we're probably going to miss. Unless we are looking, unless we pay attention. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And everybody's, everyone's not nearsighted, though, so I don't expect everyone to be like me. Their vision might be, their focal point might be at a different place. So certainly they're, they, they, we know where people are looking. My, my son, who's a musician, for example, didn't really like playing with toys, but we found him as a kid one day uh, at the heater vent in the floor, strumming the heater vent, just listening to the sound of the strumming of the heater vent. Well, we should have known um, he's, a, <laughs> he's a musician, producer, songwriter now. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I, I guess that would have been your first clue that he was quite auditory. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we can look back and see the clue. It's easier to have faith looking back, right? Sure, sure. 
<laughs> you know, heat events can be such such uh, great opportunities for creativity. I I didn't really pay attention much to the heat events in my house until I had cats. <laughs> And they routinely use the heater vents as part of their um, entertainment. They wow. they have a stash of styrofoam peanuts, and they they take one of them and they drop it into the heater vent and wait for the air to you know flow from the the furnace being on, and then it pops up and down inside there. And once in oh a while, it'll God. pop out like popcorn, and they love it. They chase it everywhere. They and. You know, creativity in cats. Who would think? <laughs> <laughs> the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a cat in a heater vent. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. that's where it is. <laughs> you know, but but I think part of what cats do is that they are. You know, the, I deal with music and art in in my students' life because I think they they need cross sensory experiences and understand that the the beauty of life is in all all of their senses. And um, one of the terms that I really like is Thomas Merton used the term consonantia. Consonantia is actually, if we are uh, not listening to our own voice, Mary Beth, we'll hear that music that's playing all the time. And he called it consonantia. Of course, he was a, um, basically a monk. We don't mm-hmm. all have to be monks. But, um, but if we're really quiet and if we're really observant and really listening, we will hear that music that we don't hear when we hear our own voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yet another distraction. Our own voice That's, is a distraction. Yes, it is. I'm yeah. just going to be. I'm going to be quiet from here on out. And just <laughs> oh no, you're not. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so um, we're in theory we're talking about the creative process and and we've been describing that all along that process of paying attention to the detail or having an awareness of what's beyond us or what's right. within us right? right because you you've said it both ways it's the it's the looking outside and noticing the details but also what you direct your students is to listen right. inside right and and that means that leads to the next step. Um, I believe that creativity. If you look up the word creativity, it's the creativity is not just to grow. To create doesn't mean just to grow, but it means to cause to grow. And so that next step is you found the cause, you found a reason. What are you going to do with that? And as we live in time and space, we have we have to do something. Our activity is to make something or to do something productive. So, what is that next step? And you know, to make it easy. We don't have to change the world. There's a German term called Gestammkunstwerk, which means you, you've got to change the world. You've got to save the world and make this great work of art. Well, I think that heroic thing is really deadly. You know, we all can't be the great artists, but, but to observe those cats and then to tell a story or to write a poem, um, even that is a kind of a form of love. And love is not just hugging or saying, praise God. You've got to actually do something new and I, I find that it's easy to do that. Uh, the haiku form, for example, I have my students work with the haiku form where we go from words to pictures to music and then back again. But the haiku form, that three-line poem, we could write a haiku about the black rain today. You and I could do that together, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but usually a haiku is three lines. The first line is just kind of stating something or observing something. Often, line number two in this 17-syllable poem the second line is about uh, something counter to that. 
uh, for example, I could say, um, um, it's raining black today. The next line could be, flowers are coming. And the third line often either tells the first two that they're both wrong and resolves the poem, or tells the two that they're both right and resolves the poem in this sort of three-part story with a beginning, mm-hmm. a middle, and an end. So I love that structure. It could be a composition in a work of art or a poem, the beginning, the middle, and the end. And I love how in a haiku, the third line often resolves the poem. So mm-hmm. here, here's one. Um, uh, if you are tender to them, the young sparrows will poop on you. <laughs> okay, that's from Issa. That's not from me. That's a great Japanese poet. If you are tender to them, the young sparrows will poop on you. It's a great haiku tradition of poop poems. Okay. And my favorite All right, Brent, you have us laughing, but we have to take a break. Okay, great. <laughs> You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. I just got AT&T, the nation's largest 4G network, and let me tell you, it's crazy fast. Like living in the future fast. My roommates can't keep up. Ooh, Jenny, did you hear? That Barbara has an extra ticket to the concert? Lisa, that's so 42 seconds ago. I already downloaded it from the link she sent me. Oh, great. Lisa will forget about that ticket soon. See, about 52 seconds ago, her boyfriend changed his relationship status to single. She doesn't know that yet, but she will in three, two, one. AT&T. Rethink possible. Get it fast with AT&T, the nation's largest 4G network. Introducing the new Samsung Galaxy Note. It's a phone, it's a tablet, it's both. And it's only from AT&T. Limited 4G LTE availability in select markets. Learn more at att.com slash network. New two-year voice agreement with qualifying monthly data plan required. Other charges and restrictions apply. For more details, visit att.com slash note. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. 
To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now back to What Matters. Good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our guest is Brent Funderburg. Talking with us about creativity and, and the creative process. And uh, when we took a break, we had just finished talking about haiku and the structure of haiku. Um, and Brent, you had shared a hysterically funny uh, poop haiku from. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've got plenty of those. <laughs> well, um, I don't know that we want to keep going on the poop haikus and, and share all of them this morning, but right. you know, let, let's continue on that that whole process of of the the creative aspect and also also that the, the level of spirituality that comes with creativity. I I know for myself that that is one of the things that I always crave that. When I'm not allowing my creative process, I feel disconnected, that I feel out of sync with spirituality, with spirit. Absolutely. I, I think that when we, you started your program talking about thankfulness, and um, I think if there's a thankfulness for everything, that's, that's a goal. Um, but, you know, I think thankfulness for everyone, a thing is something that implies something that doesn't have a life. And, and I think I'm thinking thankful for everyone. Everyone includes all creatures, all created beings, from the divine creator all the way to the cats that you were talking about. So for me, it's like there's this loving, powerful uh, force behind all things and to be thankful for that, and, and he's going to, this, this holy being is going to help choreograph this story that we make of this thing. Instead of it being a bunch of unrelated incidents, we're going to make a story of this thing. We're bound and determined to make art of this mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes the, it is the mess that is the art. I mean... <laughs> oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> I love that. That's great. To realize the mess may be the art. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> so you you spoke before about cross sensory cross sensory pictures. Yes. Of of bringing in more than one aspect, bringing the music, the visual, um, the movement. I mean, I um, on your website there's there's that wonderful. Um, just that that whole project that you do with students to right. bring your uh, to use music as the foundation for artwork, and then to take those students and put them into the dance studio where the same music is played, but now there's movement to it, and and the art evolves from that. Can can you describe how that came about? How did you how did you come up with this just awesome project? Well, you know, um, most things don't start awesomely. They start as dust motes, as I, as I said before. Yes. And, um, you know, there was a high school student who was very talented. He was interested in our program, and he gave me a cassette tape many years ago. And I listened to it. It was really amazing music that this young guy had made electronically. And I said, I want my class to hear that. But what I asked him to do, since it was digital, I said, make a separate track of this music for each of my 20 students. 
and I'll give it to them. So I had cassettes. Remember cassettes? Yeah, and, a long time okay. ago. <laughs> so I, I, I still do this project, and I'll, I'll get a composer to create a piece of music, and then I'll give my students an individual track. That is, one student might get the bass part, one might get the guitar, one might get a piano part, or they might get various arrangements of that, that piece. And then they secretly work on images as they listen to that music, and they bring those images into class. No one has heard the whole piece of music. I give that same piece of music to a lighting director who does stage lighting. I give the same full piece of music to a dance group. My wife is a dance dancer choreographer. So they're all working on the same piece of music. Then we gather, and the stage director lights the stage. The students are up there. Have, they've looked at each other's work but have never he- heard the piece of music. The dancers begin to dance. They've never seen the lighting, and and they become a part of this experience that is akin to making the music. It's it's like the music has not really emerged yet until all of those who have been a part of this creation, visually and musically and in movement, become a part of it. And it's an amazing experience. It doesn't, in the end, refer to anything. It's, it's, the, it's the experience itself. And the students feel like we've, we've landed on Earth. We're, we're alive today. That's what I'm looking for. Not really art, but the experience of being alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... That is the experience of creation, of creativity, to be in the process. Right, and I think it involves people. I don't, you know, I think the, you can make things yourself, but the cycle continues as you spread it and you work it with other people. The original haiku form was three people reading or theatrically uh, improvising three lines. So it's much more exciting when you engage when you're ready to engage, Mary Beth, uh, your your experience with other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which comes back around again to meaningful encounters. The, wow. You know, ho- however spontaneous or, um, or planned, that right. it is about the connection that we have to each other that is what we are, that, that is the human experience, that... Is, is everything. I, you know, I agree. And, yeah. I, and I think we, we spend a lot of time, uh, I do, I spend a lot of time, I, I just had retinal, a retinal detachment where I was looking down for a month and a half, and I, I learned a lot about my pillow, <laughs> and, and I learned about praying. And praying is almost anything you can do in the direction of the divine. It includes cussing as well as complaining and crying and and laughing and thinking and planning and being thankful. But in that time, I also watched TV, and I realized that TV, for the most part, and a lot of other media is not interactive, not conducive to sharing. And I think I waste and we waste a lot of our time not sharing, not creating together. Mm -hmm. Because how can God reveal himself unless we are creating together. Yes, and, and it is, it's the spark, it's the, um, it's the synapse between us, it's, it's the engagement between us that is the divine. Absolutely, it's the negative space, it's the interval between us that is the divine. And it's our job to go from A to B to C. And... 
that's exactly right. It's that well, another artist, Walter Anderson, said that the first thing is considerable. The second thing, if it joins the first thing the right way, creates a third thing, and the third thing is a miracle. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always looking for the third thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, is it elusive to you, or do you find miracles almost in every moment? Well, I know they're there, but it is elusive. And, and so we can be bitter about that. There are dark times in our life where we can't see any of that. And, and we look and we grope and we thrive to find it, but uh, it's, it doesn't seem to be there. So I think God plays cat and mouse. And why, why the divine does this, I'm not sure, but I think it has to do with an incredible creative story that's being played in our lives as as we as we live and but we if we look back i think we can see that structure creating a work of art or creating a story in those dark dark places that was the digging mary beth mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. remember the, yes. the digging we talked about yes going down and isn't you know, you know metaphorically again isn't that symbolic of going within and exploring not only our light but our shadow oh absolutely the dark night of the soul is a separation from the divine which is necessary and you know if we didn't have that separation even though we don't understand it even as we go through it um, then we would not learn anything about faith that's the moment where you put your thumb over the moon you no longer see the moon and, you know, maybe you realize that things are always more beautiful, make more sense after we've been digging, after we come out of, of that dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. It is the, the knowing that it's still there, even in the darkness. Absolutely. And, and that's the, hard. The, well, it is. As you describe the, the black rain that you're experiencing today, you know, knowing that the sun is still there. And having that faith that and the we can, sun is and we, still there. And we can help each other with that. I mean, for me, reading a poem from Issa from three centuries ago, I have a cross-millennial correspondence with a soul brother. <laughs> and, and, and we need badly our, our, our correspondences with each other. I remember Rainer Maria Rilke, the poet, was writing the, the Duino elegies in a castle in Trieste and, and was saying... This is horrible. I can't get it done. I'm, he was close to suicide, and he said, the only reason why I'm going to write this down is in case it might be consolation for someone in some other time. And I read that and cried, because not only did he survive that, he created one of the greatest poems that have ever, has ever been written, but at that point of his dark night, he didn't think there was any value in what he was doing at all. And he was at the point of death, but thinking that there might be a Mary Beth somewhere in the future that would read that, boy, that's love right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as we're describing this, as we're describing this significance of connection and this, this faith, I'm, I'm wondering if we can kind of take this to our, our listeners as what's significant in their lives you know to to look for those connections 
to, to look for those opportunities for faith. And this is a show that, that asks people to pay attention to how they make a difference. And yet, you know, your description of that poem, an individual who didn't know that anything that he was doing would ever make a difference, and yet those words have carried through centuries and touched how many lives? You know, most of the things that I think about, Mary Beth, that are powerful from other people have been gifts, and they had no idea that they were doing it for money or for any other reason. Vincent van Gogh's letters to his brother are astonishing revelations of the divine experience of life on Earth. Um, also, Dag Hammarskjöld's markings, the book by the Secretary General of the United Nations who died in a plane crash, his journals were found on his bed after he died, and they are amazing, and they inspire me every day, and I could go on and on. So often, even though these things that we experience in our lives that we think are only important to us, might we think they may not be significant, we need to get those out there. Who knows what consolation someone, not only in the future, but in our own time, might have from these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you talk about writing, about the book within us. Can right. you share a little bit more about that? Well, I think it's already, the book is already written. The hidden book in all of us is already written. When Carl Jung talks about finding himself and individuation, he said, I felt an inner obligation to become what I myself am. And I think that inner obligation is coming from that already written book inside us. We have to look at our strengths, uh, and Jung would remind us our weaknesses are also a part of it, because those are the things that are vying for our attention, our strengths, the things that we do best are calling us, not just as a vocation, but as, as a significant part of the book that we write about our, our life. And it may be evidenced or manifested in a song, or maybe evidenced in just us telling someone or a story, or um, a work of art, or it may be that it's telling you that you should be a doctor, or, or that you should be a uh, lab technician. But I think we have to listen, that consonante. We have, to, we have to be quiet, listen to the music inside us, even if we don't hear anything. I, you know, we can call it our imagination. I don't really hear music, and I've never seen angels. <laughs> uh, but the dust motes, if you look at them right, are telling a story. Everything mm-hmm. is reminding us of who we really are. And I tell my students, I am gradually becoming who I have always been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And discovering layer and layer and layer of oneself. Yes. Just know that it's, it's not something that you suddenly know everything about yourself. But it's right. the process of continuing to discover who you are. And a way to do that is to play. Playing is so important. To give yourself time alone each day to play. And if it's just to be quiet, to go to your quiet place or to, and then after a certain point, maybe begin to write about it. I think journaling is absolutely a requirement in, in a life, in an examined life. Uh, and, and I recommend, I highly recommend that you have a, a blank book that you go to and write or doodle or play, and you'll be amazed at the things that come out of there. They may seem ordinary at the time, but read them a year later, and you'll see the soundtrack of your life. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are um, so resistant to putting the words on paper. There's there's so many um, so many competing voices within them. Right. The the voice of the critic and the the voice of the doubter and. Um, well, Carl, and, Carl Jung. I'm sorry, Mary Beth. Carl Jung said to write all those things. Mm-hmm. Put them all down. All the voices. All of the. Let them out. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Once they're on paper, they have much less power. <laughs> right. They they look so ordinary once you put them on paper. Those voices that stop us from where we want to go. <laughs> I totally agree. It's like a little bee in our ear. You know, it's just a little tiny bee, but it sounds real loud. Mm-hmm. Swat it, swat it away. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I when I was talking. Um, at first, when I, I talked about stepping into the flow and witnessing that wonderful hypnosis session, you know, I was just kind of holding the space and doing a little little guidance. And the client was actually having a conversation with herself. And, and in her hypnotic state, she actually was able to do that out loud. So I got to witness the conversation. And it was fascinating because she was speaking to her own resistance. And she was wow. speaking to her own disbelief. And wow. her disbelief would present itself, and she would counter. And every once in a while, I'd throw in something that perhaps might help her. And it, it was just that wonderful, you know, flow of conversation within, yeah. which I think can can take place in many ways. Hypnosis is one way, but you know, the journal is another. That right. that conversation that allows you to discover something new, some other layer of yourself, so that you can yeah. move forward. I totally agree, and I think if you address it as a letter, you know, if people have trouble praying, you know, just say, um, uh, in your journal, for example, say, Dear True Self, Mm -hmm. um, or write a letter to your enemies. You know, it's one thing to say love your enemies. Try writing a letter to them. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to send it. Maybe the problem is, in some cases, people think they've got to publish this or share this. You know, again, I don't think it has to be shared. This is to yourself. I think having that conversation with yourself is probably the most important conversation because guess what? God overhears. <laughs> <laughs> and and God is within every moment yeah. of that dialogue. <laughs> Absolutely. In that space. So it's not only the space between us, but it's the space within us that leads right. us to our greater okay. spiritual connection. I've got another poop poem. I have to do this because it's about God, and it goes like well, this. Well, and, and we're about to take a break, so oh, okay, I think that's okay. very appropriate. <laughs> here, here we go. Here we go. Where there are humans, there is poop and God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so with that, let, let's go ahead and take a break. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. 
Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. I just got AT&T, the nation's largest 4G network, and let me tell you, it's crazy fast. Like living in the future fast. My roommates can't keep up. Ooh, Jenny, did you hear? That Barbara has an extra ticket to the concert? Lisa, that's so 42 seconds ago. I already downloaded it from the link she sent me. Oh, great. Lisa will forget about that ticket soon. See, about 52 seconds ago, her boyfriend changed his relationship status to single. She doesn't know that yet, but she will in three, two, one. AT&T. Rethink possible. Get it fast with AT&T, the nation's largest 4G network. Introducing the new Samsung Galaxy Note. It's a phone, it's a tablet, it's both, and it's only from AT&T. Limited 4G LTE availability in select markets. Learn more at att.com slash network. New two-year voice agreement with qualifying monthly data plan required. Other charges and restrictions apply. For more details, visit att.com slash note. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now, back to What Matters. Good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our guest is Brent Funderburg, and an artist, writer, um, just... Uh, a professor of art, and Brent, you've been describing in so many ways the the spiritual aspect of of creativity and the the power of creative word, the travel within. But I'd like to talk now about your art. You do some beautiful work. Um, I think you work in watercolor. Is that right? Yeah, mostly. I don't I don't limit myself, but it seems mm-hmm. like watercolor chose me. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about that that process in your artwork and and where someone would would locate that if they want to know more or want to see your work. How would they do that? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll get that out of the way real quick. Um, Brentfunderberg dot com is uh, where you'll see the work, and I'm excited about a, a new batch of work that's coming up called Island, which is about becoming who you really are and. In about 10 days, I'll have that up, but there's always something going on on the website. But, you know, you asked me about where it comes from or the process of making art. Um, I'm, I think when I get to that place of what Thomas Burton, again, called consonantia, which is sort of being quiet and still and seeing what is already there, 
um, I, I begin to, to receive uh, visions, I, not like a, a, a prophet, but just uh, to have ideas in my imagination. For example, when I'm praying at night, I realized the other day that I see shapes as I pray. I see the people in a certain ordinance, in a certain order. Um, I see um, the relative sizes, almost like an Egyptian mural. And I see colors when I see when I think of numbers and letters. That's that's part of that um, consonantia that we're already receiving. Each of us um, ideas and in our imagination clues about what we're interested in. Freud would say dreams, but um, in various ways we receive these. I usually take those as clues when I wake up in the morning, and I'm essentially looking for those in the real world. Often they appear in the pear trees in my backyard or. I see uh, my my wife dancing, or I see some common event that echoes those colors or those shapes that have already been prepped in my imagination. And the third thing, I hope, is a miracle, as I said, and that would be me making a painting of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, um, again, I you know I looked at some of your artwork that's on your website. The colors are so rich. They're, you know, they're, they're bold, but not in an overpowering way. They're, they're just, there's a richness and a, a life that comes out of those colors. And again, it's, um, there is that aspect that comes through your work of spirituality, that there well, is something beyond what's on that paper. Well, I appreciate that, but I, I can't really claim that. I think what what's happening is, here's the amazing thing. I use this analogy of a guitar. Let's say we're tuning a guitar, and there's one string that's out of tune. And so what we're trying to do with our lives and with the things around us is, in, in the work that we have, is to get rid of the ugliness, get rid of the mess, perhaps, or the chaos. So I'm tuning that guitar, and suddenly it comes into tune. And so my goal has been to get rid of the ugliness, but there's something else that happens. I strum a chord, and it's not just not ugliness. It's now something else that you can call beauty. There's something else that I can't explain that is beyond just the the end of disorder. It's something much greater than just that. And that's what I'm trying to see in these colors and shapes as they make chords. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is also, again, what you're describing is moving past oneself. Yes. Accepting oneself because the gifts are buried, they're, they're in you, they're already speaking to you, and yet if you take those, those individual abilities and affinities and are honest about it and follow with passion those things that uh, you find out that you care about. And by the way, I love that word passion. What does passion mean? Most of us think it's an excitement about something, but you know what passion means? It's the thing that you love the most that you're willing to suffer for. <laughs> wow. Yeah, none of, us, none of us think of it as that. <laughs> no, we don't want to. But what is it, the thing that you love the most? Because, you know, you're going to choose and... You better choose what you love the most because it's going to reward you even as you suffer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And will carry you through the suffering. I've seen it happen every time. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But, but there's, a, there's always a part in the process not to be so smug that I'm always lost, like Rilke or Van Gogh or George O'Keefe or Beethoven or anyone. There's a place where you're always lost, that dark night where you can't see. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got their thumb over the moon. And I think it's mostly a gift of love, not a mean trick. It is in that contrast, though. If we did not have the darkness, we would not appreciate the light. We wouldn't know the the value or the beauty of the light. If we didn't have the struggle, we wouldn't grow. I totally agree. I've got a friend who had a near-death experience, Mary Beth, and she she described her experience as the most painful thing that ever could happen to her, and she knew on the operating table that she was going to go, and then suddenly she was in a different place, and she saw the most astounding colors. It was almost like a cathedral or a forest made of colors. She felt intense love, and each color that she walked through in this near-death experience gave her a different feeling, a different kind of love. Well, soon she was back on the operating table. She survived it and went home, and she tried to tell her story to many people for days, and people really didn't believe her, didn't want to listen to her. But she said, what can I do about this? And she grew flowers. She was a gardener. So what she did is she said, I know what kind of color this person needs. And she went out in her garden and picked the blue flowers and took it to a friend who needed that blue color. And she said she didn't explain the experience anymore, the inner experience that she had in that dark place. She just simply got those flowers and chose the ones for those that she knew needed them and change the world person by person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, coming back around to the, the theme of this program is always about changing the world, is about knowing how to fill in. And that's such a beautiful story, knowing what color to fill in for that person to be more complete or to be healed in some way. Right. And... Uh, I remember the interview that Joseph Camel had with Bill Moyers, and Bill Moyers was asking, how will I know my bliss? How will I know that color? And instead of telling a million stories like Joseph Campbell would, he looked into the eyes of Bill Moyers and said, you'll know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we already know what our color is, what our colors are, which color to fill in. If we listen, if we're careful, if we're quiet, if we believe... And it takes time. Mm -hmm. Our colors will appear. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes digging through the muck. For years. For years to find that color, to find that moment of sunrise. And, you know, we'll help each other. And, again, that spontaneous conversation sometimes is the most meaningful moment. We don't know what we say that will make a difference. Right. We just have to move. Black Elk said, if you have a vision, you must perform your vision for others to see. Jesus said, let your light shine that others may see your good works and glorify the divine. Um, and I think that's our job, too. Once we've, once we've seen, once we've had a near-life experience, because I don't think we have to die to do that, <laughs> um, once we figure out our color, we have got to tell other people, there's a color. It's your color. 
mm-hmm. and help help them define that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in so our in also, our conversation. Yeah, and it's the invitation. It's the you know, come with me, find this yeah. color. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Oh, what an incredible journey this has been this morning. Uh, I, I'm not even sure where she, we should go now to, to kind of come to closure in this, in this conversation. It's been um, all over the place and yet so very impactful. Um, if you were to uh, take this to the practical level, as you do with your students, yes. help, helping them apply it in their lives, mm-hmm. what guidance do you offer? You know, I would say one one little color at a time. I, I would say you're not trying, you can't, no one's ever changed the world by doing something really, really big, I don't think. I think one day and, and some colors in a sketchbook, one attempt at writing a three-line haiku about what's happening to you in your life right now, um, a conversation with someone on the phone about what you like most. You know, talk about the things that you love and like and ask them about their life. And we tend to just be busy, distracted. We should have the conversation about who we really are. And I think we, we can have it with ourselves first daily. And then I think we need to ask someone else and find out about their interests. I think listening is a good way to get someone else to find out who they are. And it's not just listening. It is the witnessing of that process. Much like what I said about the, the client yesterday, it's, it's the witnessing. It's uh, holding the space so that that individual can explore themselves and feel safe and inviting them to learn one more color or to discover one more note in the song and seeing where that takes them. You know, Carl Jung says, ask them who they are and then get out of the way. Yes. <laughs> that's, my, that's, that's what teaching is. Ask them who they are and then get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And perhaps the, the challenge that we send out to our listeners today is to recognize that we are all teachers. Some of oh, us are sure. paid. Some of us are paid for it. Some of us do it naturally, but we are all teachers. Right, and all students. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And isn't, isn't that also the experience that you've had in teaching? I mean, it was for me. I learned more from my students because I was able to stand back and get out of their way. Totally. They are miracles. They are amazing beings. And, you know, I've been 21 years old for 33 years. I see them every day. If I don't look in the mirror, I think that I'm 21 years old. And that helps that if we could live like they're living, asking that question, who am I every day, then we would be able to find our colors, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to continue to grow and to, um, to expand, to see more, because we hold that beginner's eye. We hold that um, that awe of the world. Yes, that mm-hmm. submerged sunrise of wonder that we'd forgotten about is is always there, ready for your digging. You know, you might think it 
it's a hundred shovels. Sometimes it's only a half a shovel down, and that mm-hmm. sun comes out. So we we help each other dig. That's what teaching is. Mm-hmm. Well, Brad, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning, for bringing your your wisdom and your energy and your light into this show and to send it out to all of our listeners today and, and all of the listeners that will hear this program in the future. Is there any closing kind of summary that you'd like to say to um, send out to our listeners today? How about another poop poem? All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've run out of poop poems. I'm not going to oh. do that. I'm okay. just, <laughs> I just say, your life is poetry. Um, look around and be quiet, and you'll see it. It's, it's planted there. It's, it's, uh, it's already there. It's just waiting for you. And share it with somebody because they will confirm it and they will witness it. And you're in the presence of divinity. And thank you, Mary Beth. You are such a wonderful person. I love this. I feel like we're best friends. <laughs> so do I. Thank you so much, friend. And now for our listeners, this is your challenge. How will you take this? How will you put it into your lives? Who will you touch today? And how will you show your color? Go out there. Make it a great day. You truly deserve it. Thanks again for joining us for What Matters. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you continue to make a difference next week.